1: It's quiet to crowd with a shush for the student section. Finish in with a
0: flush. Look at him around the corner. I'm proud of this team. Welcome in, everybody. Bobby Manning, James Zuba, This is the Syracuse Basketball Podcast. We have basketball. Basketball has commenced in Syracuse, New York. We got to see it through media day, through the Orange versus White scrimmage. This team is playing, and we finally get to see what they look like, which is all I've been asking for. So many freshmen, so many guys returning from injury, and now we see where they're all at. James Zuba came up to Syracuse, his hometown, to okay. introduce uh, you guys, to see it with us. We had Matt Gutierrez alongside. We did some videos. And it was cool to see you out there, man. Like, you definitely feel at home here. <laughs> I see you to people. Like, you definitely have a connection to this community that I, you know, I feel a little bit at home here from how much I've been here the past four years. But, you know, it wasn't quite the same as what I saw from you.
1: Hey, man. I mean, I better. Uh, I'm born and raised, so I better not <laughs> there. And, you know, I
0: better I better feel at home at
1: home, literally. So, yeah, it was good to be up, uh, good to be in that light and, you know, see some familiar faces and, you know, just be around the program, going to Mellow, going up to the Dome. So it, it felt right. It's always good to be home, especially this time of year, too, when you get a little bit of, you know, you get a little bit of autumn, a little bit of cooler weather and, you know, the leaves changing colors and all that. So
0: it was good. It was good to be up. This is so great because last year was just an absolute disaster for both of my teams. Not a disaster because, you know, they both made the postseason. But all along, I felt like something wasn't right with both of those teams. And I got to pull the Celtics in here because there was just so many parallels there. Dysfunction, guys just not being right. Frank Howard, Gordon Hayward, whatever you want to say. Things weren't right on those teams. And then it showed in how it played on the postseason. For both those teams now, and I'll get back to Syracuse. I won't bore you with the Celtics here, James. Please, things things look different. Things look different. We heard it all summer and at media day, and then when the scrimmage broke out, we saw it: running, space, shooting—all that was out there.
1: Yeah, I, I think it was good. I mean, to start the scrimmage, uh, you know, you started to see some ball movement, uh, guys that were very willing to to move the ball you know, running a little bit of offense, seeing some screens, seeing a little bit of motion out there. So so that was good. Uh, I think that's what you want to see, and I think that's what Syracuse needs to do this year. I think we've you know, we've talked about that ad nauseum, but there's there's really not, you know, a tie battle, battle, uh, a one-on-one guy who needs the ball in his hands who's going to go out and get you a bucket in the, the closing seconds of the shot clock. I think this is a team that's going to have to work together a little bit more, run some more offense, and, and play with a little bit of pace and a little bit of space.
0: And I did see some offense being run out there. I was down on court level taking the picks. I'll have those up on Noon'sMagician.com. I got some good ones. Uh, Doljai, a.k.a. Magic Johnson, out there dishing it around. And I heard GMAC. He was out there calling plays. They were running some stuff. Way more complicated sets than what I saw last year. You talked about all the isolation we saw, just letting those guys take it head-on on the defense. I saw Dolajai out there running some delayed pick-and-roll, getting up to Jesse Edwards. I'm just very optimistic after what I saw out there. Now it was sloppy. Don't get me wrong. But as far as the shooting goes, the playmaking goes, they definitely have it in both those areas.
1: Yeah, I think Kevin brought up a good point, too, is you, you could, if Dolajai plays the five, you could have shooting at one through five this year. Uh, you know, Bayheim said earlier in the preseason that, that Dolezal was going to play exclusively forward at forward. I think he walked that back a little bit, softened his stance and said, you know, Marek could play a little bit of five this year. So if you look at, you know, maybe a guy like Bryson Green who's coming off the bench and assuming Dolezal comes off the bench too, uh, if you have those two guys off the bench playing the one and the five and then you look at Buddy, Elijah, and then Quincy, who was a capable shooter as well, you 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 could legit have five shooters on the floor at one time. And I can't tell you the last time the Syracuse team had five shooters on the floor.
0: And you know why I think you went back on the Marek thing, and he's going back a few times on that. He said last year he wasn't going to play center, and he ended up doing it. But now, ten extra pounds, baby. He's, <laughs> he's bulked up. He's finally bulked up, man. It's taking him a little bit, but you know he's maybe eating some more
1: pizza and you know working out a little bit more, so. Hey, good for him. He's, he's been trying. It's really, I know, I know some people, you know, just say like, well, why can't he just put on weight? Why can't he? But for, for a guy like that, it's not always easy with, you know, a tall frame, he's six foot 11 and, you know, everybody's metabolism is a little bit different there. So I I know people are frustrated with that, but he did put on a little bit of weight and I I think it speaks more to the point that the freshman bigs aren't ready. You know, I think it has more to do with that. I think that's why Beheim kind of said that a little bit and, you know, I think, one, with Marek at the five as well, um, if he's going to back up Barama there, I think it does give Quincy and it does give Elijah a little bit of more time at the forward position as well, which uh, I think those guys could be in the 35-minute-plus club this year.
0: Just a lot of food. It doesn't matter what. Just a lot of food is what I got from Dolish and the weight gain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the dude still loves pizza, though. Yeah. And- I saw. I saw Nico. Early. It must
0: be cheese, cause he was down in mac and cheese at the media day too. He was man. He's a legend. <laughs> he looks great out there. I love Dolegian, man. Like just looking back on it now, three years and getting to talk to him out there. I, I remember, and you remember too. I was going through the old videos, and I remember you putting up a YouTube of him about a year and a half ago, interviewing him after the game. Mm-hmm. You'd get like. Three word answers from him at Media Day. Like it made me think because he was down in Charlotte talking about how he just couldn't speak English at all here. Howard Washington said, like, he could say yes, no, just a few other words. Like you can have a full on conversation with him now, which you know, being in America three years, having tutors, all that, I guess, isn't that stunning, but it's still kind of you know, awesome to see.
1: Yeah, it's it's cool to see that development. I, I think for him. You know, I think back to the moment of the ACC tournament when he had a big game against Wake, and you know he declined the interview in the postgame by ESPN, and you know That's talking to him in the point. locker. Room, yeah, you know, you talked to him in the locker room, and and he admitted as much. I mean, he's just you know my English isn't isn't all that great, but like you said, now you talk to him and he's forming complete sentences in English, and it's cool. No, it is cool to see that development and see somebody come a long way from where they were and. To grow and um, you know just be more willing to talk, more confident in themselves, and all that. So, and, and to your point earlier, I, I, who who doesn't like Doligaj? I, I, I mean, I haven't come across one person that doesn't like that guy. So, he's, one of he's the
0: favorite, one of the coolest stories in the program's history. Now this year, we were talking to Autry about this too. Where, where does he fit in? Is that that center role? Is a power forward where he played. Better his freshman year, I thought. Less wear and tear. Uh, You know, he did even say he got banged up a little bit, and we saw with that Zion (laughs) that he took against Duke. So it's interesting because they do have an unproven cast of centers. They have Quincy Guerrier here, who was phenomenal all day. I didn't get to talk to him. I wanted to. But he won the skills competition, I believe, right? He did end up winning that.
1: Uh, I was Jalen, actually.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, he was up there with the 27. And then... Hit some threes and that in the scrimmage as well. Look good out there, it was phenomenal. I think he had 15 points off the top of my head. He's ready,
1: and- I think he's ready day one. You know, he's a dude that's going to come in and he's going to rebound right away. And you know, talking with Red a little bit too, you know, he's just saying that you know, O'Shea might have been a little bit more bouncy, you, you know, he might be a little bit more athletic, but Quincy is probably a little bit stronger. Um, at this stage of the game and uh, you know watching from the scrimmage as well I think he's a better shooter than O'Shea which you know we know O'Shea wasn't a great shooter during his time at Syracuse so it's not really saying too much but yeah uh, you know he was in the scrimmage he was he was ready to shoot uh, he came in you know right off the pass ready to shoot and he knocked down at least three that I remember so but he's he's a guy that's either going to start or be that sixth man and he, he's going to play some big minutes right away and I think he can rebound really well in the zone as well
0: and I wonder. It was a scrimmage. It was a little weird the way they stacked up the teams. Elijah was on one side. All the other guys that would project to be starters were on the other side. Bayheim, Garrier lead that game in scoring. Elijah's right there. I thought he played well. Hit a few good threes. But we all went into this saying he, Hughes is going to run away with the scoring on this team. From what I saw in the scrimmage, it looks like it could be a little more equal opportunity here, especially the way the ball was moving. We talked about it in the video after, set it, it had 2, 3 passes, 5, 6 passes out there.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't put too much stock into it. I mean, I don't think Elijah was necessarily going 100% in the scrimmage. Yeah. You know, I don't think he was really looking for a shot as much as he'll have to as the season goes on and as we get started here, but uh, I do think that you know it could be a more balanced attack if the team's going to move the ball and you know kind of be unselfish and it's it's not about one guy's particular shot. It's the best shot for the team. I think you could see that a little bit this year, but I'd still peg Elijah as the top guy. I think he's going to get his shots. I think he's going to have at least 16 points a game. I think he's that good.
0: And your number two is Gary. I was right there too. Bayheim made a case just because he's shooting threes. He was drilling some deep ones. I, he shot so well, 36% out there last year. I think he could hit 40% this year. He looks phenomenal outside, and that's where he's going to take all his shots. He has range, so that three-point change isn't going to disrupt him too much. Does other shooters around him. Ooh, he is going to have a breakout year, let me tell you. I, I mean, he's already ahead of schedule, as Bayheim has said, with the experience he got last year, got to start. And even the defense for stretches last year looked good. It fell apart at the end a little bit, but I am so excited to watch Buddy Bayheim this year. Who could have imagined this? I mean, with all the cool things we've seen through Jim Bayheim's career, the fact that his son, maybe not the face of the team yet, but one of the faces of the team, is just unbelievable. He was a blast in that scrimmage, the three-point shootout, all of it. Buddy Bayheim
1: is the best shooter on this team there's no doubt in my mind, and that's saying a lot because you have a guy in Elijah Hughes who he shot a better percentage last year than Buddy. But remember, Buddy got off to the very slow start and he shot forty percent from three in ACC play. and not not to just look at the percentages, but you look at his form and his form is picturesque. Uh, I was talking with Gmac a little bit, and he likens it to Clay Thompson. and yes. there are a lot of people that say, you know, if it makes any sense that Steph is thought of as this great shooter, but Clay has the best form. And I think when you look at Buddy's form, there is there is some uh, comparison there and they both do have a, a similar shooting stroke. So, and to your point, I, I think he will be up there in scoring as well. He was aggressive. I think that's the one thing that, you know, we've seen from Buddy is he's not afraid to shoot it. You know, he looks for a shot and this year, you know, we know he's not the quickest guy, right? But I look for him to do a little bit more off the pump, you know, get get a guy in the air and take a one dribble or two dribble pull up. And then when he does put it on the deck, he's not he's not the quickest guy, but he does find a way to get to his spot and pull up. You know, I kind of view him as like a Kyle Slomo Anderson in that room. Mm. Kind of take one dribble or two, kind of just get to his spot and pull up without necessarily beating the guy off the dribble.
0: And Kyle Anderson made some money.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he did, man. He did That's your Maybe guy.
0: maybe Buddy has some of that in his future. Who knows? I mean Jim had hoop dreams too one time. <laughs> I don't know I don't know how good he's gonna be getting to the rim,
1: but you know, I, I think he could be really good on, on that end of the floor and then in the zone too. I mean
0: He's a good zone player at the top. Yeah, he's
1: a great zone defender with his length and anticipation. He knows where to be, he reads the passing lanes, get deflections, those sorts of things. So yeah, I think he's gonna have a great year and he you know, if he's playing as well as he's playing, he could earn the bulk of those minutes at shooting guard this year. He's gonna start, but uh, if he plays really well, he could get up there to the late 20s, early 30s, as far as minutes goes as well.
0: It's, oh, I got to reiterate, it's not even the fact that Boeheim has him on the team because he's his son, is starting him because he's his son. He is legitimately one of the best players on this team, which, go back 20 years ago and say, this guy's son is going to be playing for Bayheim in 2019, never a thought, mostly because I was one, two <laughs> years old, but. <laughs> anyway <laughs> oh Jalen Carey we gotta discuss him
1: young sway man
0: Bayheim had a good shot at the rim where he just skied it over Sidibe but we both saw this one because I know you looked at me when it happened he was driving in the rim right side gave Doja that hard hard arm bump to get him out of the way clear that space at the rim and put it right up and in he had that step-back jumper going from the mid-range. No three-point attempts, which is good because it's not there with him. And no turnovers, which is the biggest one of all. He turned it over like crazy last year in his minutes. That's what got him out of his groove. I only saw one or two. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons.
1: Yeah, he, he did have the one where he got a little sloppy with it and, and kind of had a lazy pass. But, but no, for the most – I mean, Jalen play, played really good in the scrimmage. And, again, not to take too much away from that, but you saw him kind of looking like Jalen Carey a little bit. You know, he looks like he's ready to, to lead this team from the point. Um, he was getting to the rim with ease. He was playing well in the pick and roll. He was making really good reads. He was finding his teammates, you know, looking to push it. I remember one sequence, you know, he pushed it up to Buddy. And then he kind of had the the hockey assist as Buddy passed it to Garrier in the corner, and he he knocked down the three. And yeah, he, he was looking good for mid range too. And you know that that shots a work in progress from three. Uh, the coaching staff talked about that a little bit. That's the key for him, just to keep working on the three. He's gonna have to knock down a few this year to keep the defense honest. But but as we've talked about before, I think when you look at the pieces around him. That those strengths will complement his weakness in that regard and that he'll be able to get to the rim those guys will space the floor for him and then when and vice versa you know when they're spacing the floor he can get to the rim and then he can kick it out to them for for
0: open shots from three. That guard position is going to be interesting, and that was one of the things Beheim highlighted big time in his opening speech of the year, is that the guard position, there's going to be room for people to step up there. There's going to be a shuffle at that position, it feels like, because of how unproven everybody is across the board there. I I look at Beheim and say, that's the guy who's going to be playing the most consistent minutes there. We know know Beheim has a quick hook. At center, we'll probably see that again this year with Sadibe if he's not playing well out of the gate in some of these games. But you could also see it at point guard. So I was looking at the team when we were going through the summer and saying that's a great opportunity for Howard Washington. He can be that safety valve guy. i in and change the pace a little bit. He's a great communicator. I really saw that at the scrimmage too in terms of getting everybody in the right place. But one noon's magician commenter, and I wish I had his name right off the top here, but he'll know who he is if he said it. Bracing and with some backup point guard minutes. I saw that in the comments when I was writing my media day primer. And I like the idea. It didn't cross my mind. But a shooter on the ball who can get into the lane, create a little bit, seems steady with the ball in his hands. We haven't seen a whole lot of it so far besides the high school school film that's out there on him I think there's potential there I'm not going to bank on it but if Bayheim needs to go somewhere doesn't seem enthralled by Washington that much he isn't able to do too much in terms of getting it around the court and scoring especially Goodin might be that number two guy there at some point
1: well, well Bryson was recruited as a point guard and I think he's going to play some point guard this year and I do think he'll end up he, he could he could push Jalen for the starting spot if he has a really good. Ooh, input.
0: all right. Take it to the next level. He,
1: he could. He could. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm saying there, there's going to be some competition there. And, you know, I, I think Bryson is a kid who's going to come in and he's going to play right away. Uh, I don't have any doubt that he's going to play this year. Um, you know, whether that's at the one or the two uh, for the bulk of those minutes is to be determined. But he's, he's absolutely going to play this year. Uh, he's a versatile guard. He could take it off the bounce. He could finish at the rim. He can hit the mid-range. And his shot from three is, is improving, and it's better than advertised. And then when you look at the other side of the ball, how, how good a defense did he play during the scrimmage? I mean, I know these guys aren't going 100%. I know they're not going as hard as they will in games. Uh, but Bryson was right there on defense. He made some great anticipation moves. Uh, he cut off the passing lane, picked off some passes, and took it the other way. So there's really no glaring weakness to his game, and I think he's going to play a lot of minutes this year.
0: Please, please allow me to get excited off that scrimmage, James, because we suffered the last few years with offense, and now we're finally seeing some hope on that side of the ball. Goodine hit 12 of 15 in the three-point contest, which was just, whew, especially when he got to that right corner. It was knocked down, and who. Could it be him and Jalen battling for that point guard spot? You know, the only reason I won't take it that far is because if you lose Jalen at that spot, I, I don't know how you utilize him. He doesn't strike me as an off-ball guy. I don't think he'd be too valuable coming off the bench. So that's why I still look and say Gdine's probably a rotation guy who can step off the ball and on the ball. He's more capable in that secondhand role there. But you know what else stuck out to me? And this was really fun. Man to man.
1: Oh, man. all those
0: guards never mind never mind going in the three-point contest never mind going at it with the shots in the game these guys were able to battle out on the ball you had goodine carry going at it you had Beheim, hughes going at it on the wing that really had me just enthralled
1: <laughs> man oh man
0: uh I'm
1: just ready for games to to get started, so we can stop talking about the man to man thing. I mean, maybe maybe it gets talked about more if Syracuse actually comes out and plays man. But uh, I think I think we've beaten a dead horse covering the man to man topic this year. But yeah, no, they they certainly you know they came out and they played man in the scrimmage. They played it through most of the first half, and then. You know, the second half they mixed it up. They threw in a little bit of press and, and went back to zone and all that. But yeah, I, I think when you look at the guards, though, I think when you look at, I think when you look at Bryson, and I think when you look at Jalen, those are two guys that could get after it, man, man. Uh, I think they're going to be good defenders either way. But I, I think those two guys would be good, especially in man. And then you know, the, the other two, I think Joe and, and Buddy. I don't know if you want to play man with those guys in the game. Uh, I think those guys would be better in the zone.
0: But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to stop talking about the man, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll oblige with that one. And we have reached a halftime break here. I know you haven't, you haven't been on the wine this month. You're detoxing, lots of water, getting in a groove come no-shave November. And then we'll be talking about it again. But I haven't had a lot myself either besides class. And I can't remember last week's class too well. So let's switch it up. Let's talk about some pizza because I know you got a nice pie in Solvay while you were here. <laughs> we had some varsity after the media day. And, you know, maybe I haven't gotten outside of the city enough, but I've held firm on this my four years here. This is a bad pizza city. I just cannot get into too many of the places here. Varsity's like a three out of 10. I oh. hate Franco's on East Genesee. Maybe I just haven't found the right place for me. Even a pizza downtown, the pies are too small for how much they cost. Uh,
1: Bob, you're gonna upset the listeners, man. <laughs> come to shots like that. First of all, you're doing the one guy a favor who who said he couldn't stand listening to students talk about wine last year. Yes. Week. So shout out to that guy, man. Yeah, shout out to you. He work. thought he thought you
0: were a student. That was a very <laughs> big move for you. I'll take it. I'll take it.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I like the pizza in Syracuse, though. I, I, you know, I had Twin Trees while I was up. I think Twin Trees is the best pizza in town. I, I don't think it's really close. Uh, you know, I like I like Pavones. Uh, I like Pepino's. I know I know you said you didn't like it as much, but uh, you know, certainly if, you, if you're asking me, I, I live in the city as I mentioned, and I kind of have you know the best pizza around. So uh, I, I agree that you know Syracuse is maybe a little bit overhyped on the pizza scene. Uh, I do think Twin Trees is is up there, but you know, certainly living in New York, man, it's like like the best of the best i can go anywhere in the city and get a good slice
0: well that must have changed your view on it once you move down there do we count solvay as syracuse pizza or does it have to be in the city i don't know how that dynamic works here
1: uh it, it is uh it technically is so I, I think when people talk about cuse like it's just like the greater central new york area so even if you're like 20 miles north or you know 20 miles west it's still considered
0: syracuse well, that's the problem. You got to get off campus a little bit. And I have this fall. I went out and did some apple picking, the pumpkin seasons and full swing here. I'll find a pizza. Great, thanks, the one you threw up looked good. So that's going to be my test this weekend. I'm going to grab a nice one from there and then we'll check back in next week. Media day. Did anything stick out to you? Did you hear anything that surprised you while we were out there? I was somewhat surprised
1: to hear Beheim say the guards could change on a game-to-game basis. Um, not, not that it was so much of a surprise, but I just hadn't considered it before. And it is interesting, and you know, I think we've talked about the guards a lot, uh, but that is, that's one thing that stood out to me. And then also the Marek comment, just saying that he could play center after previously stating that he was solely going to play forward. So that changes things a little bit, and I, I do think he said that just because the, the freshmen maybe aren't as ready to make a contribution this year as maybe previously uh,
0: conceived. I, I had a conversation with Barron and that's a topic that we haven't gotten too deep into. It wasn't surprising to me that I heard him say he's feeling good, everything's fine with the knee, he's able to explode better than he did last year. think do that and I'm going to wait to see until the real games start. We get some real competition and he does go against some opposing talent because he was going against Jesse Edwards, John Dolezal. There wasn't a you know, polished big man for him to go against in that scrimmage and he was just overpowering everyone the way we saw in Italy. But I did hear him say last year after that Clemson game that he just can't get off the ground when he's standing still when he's moving he's feeling good when he tries to explode off the ground that's where the problems happen now he's saying that's all solved up he was able to get some rest over the summer and he looked phenomenal in italy as we know grabbing boards scoring big time points over there getting the 10 points that they'll need and i thought he looked fine in the scrimmage touch around the rim was way off the free throws are a problem with him But physically, he looked fine out there, just throwing himself into guys at the rim and bursting off the ground, which is step one in the process of making him that steadfast center.
1: Yeah, he looked great in Italy, as we've talked about before. And I don't think he looked as good in the scrimmage as he did in Italy. Uh, I thought coming off the Italy games that he might be a guy you can throw to in the low post and have him make a move and go finish around the rim, as as we saw a little bit his freshman year early. Uh, after watching the scrimmage though I, I don't know if Brahma can be that player where you can you can dump it into him and have him go get a bucket. Um, I, I think he's gonna have to do most of his damage at least scoring wise, just just sort of like catching lobs and uh, finishing passes from teammates at the rim and then also seeing if he can get on the offensive glass a little bit and, and get some garbage buckets that way. I don't know how much he's going to be able to to have an effect on the offensive end, but, you know, defensively he looked good. He's moving around, and, and he rebounded pretty well for the most part. So uh, I think that's where his bread's going to have to be buttered is on the defensive end and, and on the glass on both ends of the floor.
0: He's a crucial player on this team, and the ceiling doesn't have to be high, but he has to be able to play 20, 25 minutes a night and give them something consistent out there. And if he gives them 10 to 8, that would be a game-changer for this team because it would just be a consistency while everything's moving around on the wings and the guard spot. He can be a constant there because Edwards didn't, didn't impress me all that much. Did more than he did in Italy, for sure. I, he caught a nice slot from Dolajai and he was battling in there on the boards. A jock definitely has a ways to go. And, man, is he funny to watch on the sideline. But... We saw him in the skills competition, and it, I don't know how he got into it. The, the, uh,
1: the skills competition was brutal.
0: Uh, oh, my God. You know,
1: first, the, the, the tossback nets, I don't think they were set up correctly because you had guys throwing the ball at the tossback nets, and they are either going over their head or, <laughs> or over their feet. So uh, not, not doing anybody any favors there, and then. Uh, some guys struggled making the three at the other end too. So uh, I, I don't know. We could do without the – I think we could do without the skills competition. I think they just did that because the, the dunk contest was a flop last year.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, but you yeah, had a funny dude. The, the Syracuse basketball Twitter, you know, the Twitter handle, they threw out a video of him being Usain Bolt, trying to be uh, Usain Bolt. So
0: uh, that was pretty funny. That was something – Right off the start, Dojai has it fly over his head. Jalen Carey steps up next and completely missed the net. They throw a ball right back to him, and he missed that, too. So, very Syracuse, unveiling the team, hyping up everybody for a big year, and just having balls flying all over the place minutes into the event. (laughs) Oh, man. The event as a whole, it it is kind of sad to see where it is compared to a few years ago. Now, I know the hype isn't high around the team right now they're going in a little unsung expectations aren't that high all that but remember when they had that team 2017 they had jadakus out there they had a stage they had seth greenberg they had like a espn segment done possibly like he was in the house for that and the crowds were packed there wasn't like even five people in the student section of the ozone as i saw
1: (laughs) the ozone
0: Uh, Yeah, man, that was like legit Final Four
1: expectations going into that year because you had a lot of guys back. You had Andrew White and John Gillen, two fifth-year seniors uh, joining the squad as grad transfers. So there there was a lot of hype going into that year, and to see it kind of flame out and uh, the whole way that that season went was pretty disappointing. You know, going to the NIT, but um, I'm I'm okay with with where we're at for the Orange versus White scrimmage. I I don't think it needs to be a big event. You know, I think it's just a chance for for fans to come out and get the first look of the team, and I'm okay with it. I don't think they need to do a big event or have, like, a big streaming thing. I'm okay with the size of it, and, you know, let's just focus on ball. Let's just have a a night where we can focus on the fans just coming out and getting the first glimpse of the team.
0: Anything else you want to hit on from media day? Did anything stick out to you from the player interviews? I know you talked to GMAC, like you said.
1: Uh, no, I think we touched on it. Uh, I think, uh, you know, one one interesting anecdote is talking to Quincy a little bit. Uh, you know, he, he's familiar with players that have come through the program as far as the, the Canadian pipeline goes. Um, you know, he's talked with O'Shea a little bit and he said he was familiar with Chris Joseph as well. Now, both of those guys are from Montreal. Um, so he said he's worked out with Chris Joseph a little bit. Said he didn't know who he was initially during his time at SU, but as the years went on, he got to get to know him a little bit and has worked out with him some. So, uh, I thought that was a cool anecdote. But as as far as like media day goes, I think we've pretty much covered it. Uh, you know, we touched on the guards, touched on the forwards and the centers a little bit. So, um, no no other real takeaways. But what what about you? You have any other takeaways or?
0: I'll carry I'll carry that Canada thing a little further because we did talk about some recruitment at media day. Syracuse missing on Andre Jackson was the topic of the last show. We'll see what happens with Isaiah Jackson, and they've been comparing, of course, Hopkins, Beheim, how they've recruited since those two went separate ways. The Canada topic's interesting to me because O'Shea Brissett was absolutely a top 50, you know, maybe even top 30 when you look at what he became prospect. If we're reevaluating that class. Now let's look at Garrier. Not sung as far as the you know top 100 go. It seems like that list misses Canada a little bit, and Syracuse has tapped into that market. That might be the future of where this program really hits home runs going forward. Because right now we're seeing a prime time for Canada's basketball talent. No superstars. We're just seeing like Tristan Thompsons and you know the few guys who go through the. On the nuggets that's escaping me right now is well. all Jamal Murray has been thriving out of Canada as well. So there is something here that Canada can be something that Syracuse leans on, it feels like going forward.
1: Yeah, and they've recruited that pipeline well over the years. I mean, as mentioned, you know, you had Chris Joseph, Uh, you go all the way back to to Leo Routins, and of course, Andy played at SU and he had dual citizenship, but he, he was more of a local kid. Um, but, yeah, you know, you had Ennis, um, you know, you had Chris Joseph, you had O'Shea. So they've always recruited Canada. Boeheim Bay- had said that last year, asked him on, you know, a teleconference that they've always you know, recruited Canada when they've had players and, and they're going to continue to do so. So if Canada is going to keep producing players at the rate that it has, um, you know, they-, they have the largest representation of international talent at the NBA level over every other country than the U.S., so you're seeing a lot of representation there. You're seeing more and more Canada, uh, players from Canada flood into the U.S. So, um, yeah, that could only be a, a help to Syracuse that, that looks to recruit that pipeline and um, continue to recruit players out of, out of the great white North, man.
0: Hey, you look across media day. the guys that were in the room, Slovakia, South Sudan, yeah, is oh. from Africa as well, Garia from Canada. Very cool. Guys, learning English, guys from all over the globe. That's where the game's going, and it's good to see Syracuse embracing that. So we'll see. We got scrimmages coming up. 26 is the first one. We'll talk after that one, James. And Orange, finally here. This is the Syracuse Basketball Podcast. We'll talk to you in about.